Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Well, come on, stand up with us. We're going to sing about the church being alive, so we got to be alive this morning, okay? So come on, help, help us out. Put your hands together. down for just a moment. I know, hype song and then you have to sit down, right? Um, we are excited that you're here. Um, today we're going to be talking about, we're in our second week of a series, How to Change the World. And so Scott will be talking about how we as the church are to be the church in the community for the lost and the broken that are around us. And we have an opportunity coming up in about a week and a half we can all participate in and be part of that is something in this community and it is called Candy Dash and if you will just watch this video with me. Hi I'm Brian and I'm here to tell you about a brand new event called Candy Dash. This year Halloween falls on a Wednesday and that poses a huge problem for families 
Why? Because kids want to stay out trick-or-treating to receive as much candy as they possibly can, but their parents understand that they need to get them home at a decent hour so that they can get up and get ready for school the next day. Well, what if I told you that there was a chance for you to receive more candy in less time on Halloween? Well, guess what? It's real and it's here. It's called Candy Dash. On October 31st from 6 to 7.30 p.m., we'll have volunteers lining our campus here at Springwell on a candy trail where your kids will be able to walk through and receive as much candy as they would, normally going to 100 homes in a shorter amount of time. We're actually going to be giving away 500,000 pieces of candy. Now this event is completely free and it's absolutely family friendly. So we wanna encourage you to invite your family and your friends, your coworkers, your classmates to come and hang out with you here at Candy Dash. Now remember this, the line will end promptly at 7.30 because we want to honor our families' times who are coming to hang out with us that night. You can find out more information about this event and more at candydash.org. We can't wait to see you on October 31st from 6 to 7.30 p.m. So a lot of you have already served our community so well by helping us raise the amount of candy needed for this event. And some of you have signed up to volunteer your time to help give out candy at this event. We are so grateful. Thank you so much for your sacrifice and for serving our families and our community so well. We are so excited about this event, guys. We just can't wait. We can't wait to see what God does and we can't wait to see the impact that it has on these people's lives. God, we're just so grateful for that. Now, before we continue to worship, would you guys just stand up and just greet somebody around you?
never been and there will never be a God like you. Sing that with me.
thank you so much for this morning Lord that you remind us that you're in control of it all over every single circumstance every high every low you're in it and you work through it God a lot of us need those reminders every single day the reminder to believe it because we've seen you work and we've seen you do good even through the bad times God and I think we all need to be reminded to also receive that, God, because we can see it and we can believe it, but we don't open ourselves up to receive it. So help us to do that every single day because we love you and we praise you. Amen. Well, you guys can take a seat. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Um, in just a minute, we're gonna continue to worship through our giving. Um, if you're a guest here, it's your first time here, we don't expect you to give. Uh, we want this service to be our gift to you. Um, but if you do attend Springwell, there are three different ways that you can give. There is a giving kiosk out in the lobby um, that you can go and do after the service. There will be a number on the screen that you can text. And lastly, there's a bucket on the left end of your row. So if you wanna take that now and pass it down to the right. 
<laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Hang on. can't make this stuff up, can you? Uh, you doing well? Good morning. Feel good? And you look awesome. Somewhere around uh, 1980, I totally surrendered my life to Jesus. Somewhere around 1980. I'm not sure the exact date. You know, a lot of people, I don't know if you've heard of those testimonies, you know, when you know, I was wearing blue jeans on a cloudy day, and they give you the date and the time. That's not me. Of course, things were kind of hazy for me <laughs> during those days. And so I'm just saying, somewhere around 1980, I totally surrendered my life to Jesus. And when I say I totally surrendered my life to Jesus, I thought that I totally surrendered my life to Jesus. I mean, I gave him all that I could give at that time. Come on. If you're a follower of Jesus, are you feeling me? Because, right, I mean, you think, I'm giving him everything, and then suddenly you turn around, you know, a few months later, and you realize there's this little area of your life, and he didn't get that area, and you were holding on some things. And so, it, you know, it just kind of takes time. But somewhere around 1980, I, at least I thought I was totally surrendering my life to Jesus, and I can prove it because I started going to church. <laughs> I'm just saying, and, and, well, I didn't immediately start going to church. Eventually, I started going to church. And when I say eventually, I started going to church, that means like about a year later, I started going to church. And it took a while for me. I guess I'm a slow learner. But the thing with it is, the church never really did anything to reach me. It, it, it never did. And nobody ever invited me as a, as, a, you know, as a youth, as a teenager. Nobody ever invited me to youth group. Nobody ever invited me to church. I was never invited to a church function. I mean, I was rough, and I know I was rough, and so nobody ever really invited me to church. And so God got a hold of me. Not He didn't get a hold of me in church. It wasn't, it wasn't a Sunday morning, and the pastor was up preaching and gave an invitation, and the Holy Spirit came down on me. None of that. It was in a warehouse about 10 minutes till 7 on a Monday morning. That's how my God experience was. And so I didn't go to church for about a year because, to be honest with you, I didn't know, like, why I would go. And I'm just telling you that you know, this is not the kind of stuff you should probably say on a Sunday morning, but it's the truth. It's my story. So it took me a while before I started going to church. And then if I'm really gut-level honest with you, here's what I would tell you. I started maybe going more than I did, than I once did, which was like, you know, never. And so I did start going at least every now and again. And then I felt God was calling me into the ministry. And so I thought, because I'm really smart, I thought, if I'm going to be called to ministry, I need to start going to church. <laughs> that's, the, that's the honest truth. And so literally it was the next week after I stood in front of a group of people like this on a Sunday morning in a local church here in town, and, and the pastor introduced me. And I remember those people looking at me like, what? you don't even come to church. I mean, like, have you been going somewhere else? You know, like, wow. But, but while I wasn't in church, the thing that I did start to do was I did start to read the Bible. Because I was very curious as to who God was. I knew what I'd been taught my whole life. The thing was, I wasn't sure if that's really who God was. And the church, I mean, I didn't really see a whole lot in church, honestly, that reflected God or what I thought God was. I mean, I saw some tradition and stuff. And not that tradition is bad, but what I never really saw was anything that I thought was authentic and genuine. So I, really, I got into the Word. To the, to the best of my ability. And believe it or not, I wasn't so much amazed by the miracle stuff. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's cool. It wasn't the turning the water into wine, which was really cool if you were, if it'd been me. I mean, whoo, that's the kind of story you want to hear. It wasn't so much the miracle stuff. And, and I'm all for the miracle stuff because I've been a part of some miracles. I've been on the receiving end of some miracles. Let me just say, when God shows up and you know that it's a miracle, that like you were this and then suddenly you were that. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, but it was more than that for me. It was more than the miracle stuff. It was, it, what amazed me the most was what God was doing in the early church. I love those first few chapters of the book of Acts. And honestly, I don't know how many years I literally read the book of Acts. When I say read the book of Acts, I started the book of Acts. 
And then I would read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And then I would go back and read chapter 1. And chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4. I didn't even know there were other chapters for a long time. Because I would read that and I would be so amazed at what I saw. And the church was exploding with growth. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But that wasn't it. I wasn't a pastor. I, didn't, I mean, can I just be honest with you? I didn't care about church growth. I wasn't worried about anybody else. I was worried about me. And what amazed me were the people. It was how they treated each other. And, and I mean, I saw the depth of the love that they had for one another. And it was genuine love. It wasn't this fake stuff like you sometimes see on a Sunday morning. Hello, brother. Praise the Lord. It wasn't that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? It was real, genuine love. And they were devoted to one another. It was crazy. And here's, listen, I'm not even in church. I'm not in church. I'm on the outside looking in. I'm just trying to figure out who God is, maybe get a little bit better. I didn't even know I was looking at the church. I didn't know that I was actually reading about the birth of the church. I didn't have that much knowledge to even know that that's what it was. But here's, here's what would happen to me, honestly. I'm not kidding. I would read those first few chapters in the book of Acts, and here's what I would say. You know what? I would love to be a part of a church like that. I mean, I'm... I don't know if one exists. I've never seen one. I've never met people like that. I've never met a group of people that loved each other that deeply. I've never experienced that kind of community. But I'm telling you, if I could find me a church like that, I would love to be a part. And so you've got to understand, Springwell Church is birthed deep on vision. It's a dream. And this morning I want you to dream with me. I just want you to dream with me just for a little bit. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to dream about what this thing called the church is supposed to be. I mean, really, what it's supposed to be. The Bible wasn't written to be a history book to be studied. And, and, and is it historically correct? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I believe everything there is in the Bible, I believe that it's absolutely 100% accurate and true. And can it, be, can it be taken in its historical context? Of course it can. But it wasn't written to be a history book to be studied. If all we do is study the Bible, then all we have is the acquisition of knowledge. And it's more than that. It's a book that was written to give people like you and me hope. It gives hope to a hopeless world. That, that's why it was written. It was written to show us who God really is. And that, and it was written, listen, it was written as an example that if God did it in the Bible, then he can do it now. I got the churchy crowd, the first crowd. Y'all are just like, what? I mean, if God did it in the Bible, if God changed miserable lives in the Bible, God can change miserable lives today. If God did miracles, then we can experience miracles today. You know how I know so? Because... Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says it can. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he was in the Bible, whatever he was before the Bible was written, whatever God has always been, he will always be. There was no beginning, no end. There's no end to the, to the power and the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. So, so what do you do back like in the Bible? See, that's why I got into it. I wanted to find out, what, who, who was he? Like, what did he do? And I don't know squat. I mean, I got John 3.16, that's it. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't even sure it was John 3.16. I just knew that it was John. It could have been blind John. I just knew it was John. I didn't even know John. Thank you, John. <laughs> Those of you who don't know John Crenshaw, he's, he's blind. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes, he is. Here's the thing. I just want us this morning to look at this group of people that made up this incredible living, breathing, growing organism, not, not organization. We have gotten so proper in church and church etiquette and, and church growth that we want to call it an organization. It's, it's not an organization. It's an organism and an organism that's alive. And breathing and growing and producing. The church, I just want us to kind of look at what they were like. And here's the thing. I, it's, 
we're just going to dream, okay? We're just going to dream. We're going to read some verses, and we're going to dream a little bit, and we're going to think, you know what? If God did it then, he can do it now. So we're going to start with Acts chapter 2, and just so you know, just so you know, the, ch- the church, and in case you hadn't already heard, it was, it was moving and grooving in Acts chapter 2. I'm not kidding. It was exploding. It started off in Acts 1 with, the, with 120 people. And then, and then by the time you get to Acts chapter 2 in Peter's really long, long sermon, it's a really, really long sermon. Man, y'all not giving me squat. I mean, it's a long sermon. You know what? Somebody say, hey, man. Thank you. Suddenly, 3,000 people are added. So now they're 3,120 people strong. And you know why that's so amazing to me? It's so amazing to me because they didn't know anything about how to do church. They didn't have a book on church. They didn't, have, they didn't have what we have this morning. They didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. They literally were writing the New Testament. Are you with me? So they didn't have it like go back and study. They, nobody had ever done this before. It was brand spanking new. They didn't, have, they didn't have books on church growth to read. They were writing the book. And so they didn't have seminars to go to. They didn't have conferences they, they could go to. That All these big churches have conferences. If you show up, they'll give you the five reasons, the five ways that they've grown a church and, and how they've studied church and critiqued church. And if you do this, 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 and this, and then that equals growth. They didn't have any of that. And yet they, they exploded with the kind of growth that has never been experienced in history. So what was the secret sauce? What was the secret sauce? It was Peter's sermon. I tell you, it was a really, really long sermon, right? And when we all know that the secret to a growing church is the talking head on a Sunday morning. Of course it's not. It's not about a personality. It's not about a... It's not about a personality. It's not about a person. message is important. Their message was important, but it was more than that. There was more to it than that. There was more to the first church than that. So Peter, Peter preached his first sermon, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. And then, Acts 2, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves. That, that word devoting, is, it's, a, it's a really powerful word. According to the NASB lexicon, the word devoted means to attend constantly. To attend constantly, uh, the Greek word "devoted" really is it's a it's a compound. Con, uh, it's easy for you to say, compound verb, coming from two different words, one meaning toward, the other meaning to be strong. And so, they were strong toward this word. They were devoted to. They were strong toward the apostles' teaching. And so, what were they teaching? I'll tell you what they were teaching. It was simple. Every every day that they showed up, the preaching was simple. It was the resurrection of Jesus. That was it. So it had to be more complicated than that. Why? I mean, you have a man who's put on a cross and put in a barred tomb for three days, and three days later he walks out alive. I mean, that's a game changer right there. Are you with me? And it would have been something. It would have been pretty miraculous if he had appeared to the, to the 11 disciples. We know Judas blew it. But if he appeared to the 11 disciples, that would have been a big deal, right? But he didn't. He appeared to over 500 witnesses. I love because I have the opportunity almost on a daily basis to talk to people that would say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not atheist. I believe there's something out there. I, there's got to be a designer behind the design, but I'm not sure. And I looked at a guy not long ago, and I said, you know what, it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe. Because go back and look at the evidence, and these people were blown away. Somebody said, look, man, I got this cousin, and I'm telling you, dude, he was rough, you know. He was rough, and I don't even know if I'm buying into the whole Jesus story, you know, and like he was the son of God, and he went to the cross. I don't know if I'm buying into that, but here's one thing I know. My cousin believes he did. My cousin believes it, and I'm telling you what, that... That guy's changed. He used to be this, and now he's that. He has been radically changed by something that is greater, so it must be like this resurrection power because it's resurrected some things in him. That's what was happening. So they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. The fellowship. So when you hear the word fellowship, if you're a raised Baptist, what do you think of? 
which you did in the fellowship. I think we should build a fellowship hall, don't y'all? I mean, I think we should just get together and eat. You know, I'm we'll sing a little bit, but let's just eat. I think it's spiritual. So this fellowship, I mean, what is it? It wasn't, it wasn't a building. That's not what it was. It wasn't a place that they would just meet and have gatherings so they could eat, a potluck. That's not what it was. The verb to fellowship in the Greek is koinos, and it's used eight times in the New Testament. And seven of those times it's translated share. One time it's used in 1 John, 2 John, and, and it, it means to participate. The noun fellowship, koinonia, it, it's used 30 times, and it carries with it the same idea. Y'all tracking? Just hang on. And so sometimes, sometimes this word, sometimes it's translated sharing. Sometimes it's translated con uh, contributing. Sometimes it's translated partnership. Sometimes it's translated participation. So to fellowship, listen, hang on. To fellowship is partaking, it is contributing, it is sharing. It is linking together in a common partnership. That's what it is. It's not showing up to a church on a Sunday morning. That, that's not what it is. And for those that just show up on a church on a Sunday morning, my heart breaks for you because church is more than that. That's my dream, is that it's more than a gathering on a Sunday morning. But we go beyond the walls, and we're connected to each other. We're strongly, we're to be strong toward the apostles' teaching and this thing called fellowship, that we're committed to each other. So just how committed were they? I'm glad you asked. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions. Wow. This is crazy talk. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and man, if you just want to make people uneasy, start talking about giving. I mean, Christians, you can raise up in their seat. You know what I mean? which means their cheeks are getting tight. That's what that means. And so you watch, and y'all look at me like you don't know what that means. And so you see people, they get tense, and they get tight, and, and then unchurched people. Because you know what? The only thing that people know about church is that when you come, we ask you for something. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, right? Give me so that we can. Can what? And these people... They were, they were meeting from house to house, and they were, they were so committed that if somebody in that house, if somebody in their group had a need, they sold their possessions and belongings and distributed those proceeds to all who had need. You know what my dream is? You know what my dream for this church is? One of my dreams, and I'm just, boy, I'm just being as raw as you can probably tell. I'm being as raw as I know how. I'm just trying to share with you my heart. What's always been my heart, my dream is that we will be the biggest given church in this community, and it's, actually that's not true. It's not the community. It's not the state. I'm, I want this church to be the biggest given church that's ever been. And that rather than us being a church that says, give me, give me, give me, is that we just give. We're fixing to start the 25 days of Christmas, and I cannot wait. We're going to have so much fun. Woo! And for those of you going, what? What is 25 days of Christmas? Here's what we do. We take up an, uh, uh, an offering over and above our Let's say that together one more time. <laughs> I mean, I ain't that stupid. You know, are you with me? So we're going to give an offer. Beginning in a few weeks, people that know a lot more than me know the exact date. And we're going to take up an offering that Sunday over and above our. And then you know what we're going to do with that money? We're going to divide it up into seven days, and we're just going to give it away. A, a couple of years ago, I don't remember last year, a couple of years ago, we gave over $23,000 away. For a church this size, people went. Now listen, listen, here's the thing. And we're not wearing Springwell t-shirts when we do it. We, we get together, I say, don't tell them where you're from. Sometimes we go to Walmart, we might pay for a prescription for somebody. We've done layaways, we've gone into IHOP and just bought everybody's meal. We've done crazy stuff. And people say, well, who are you and where you're from? And we say, it's not important who we are and where we're from. This is not a church growth campaign. 
We're not here so you'll be at Springwell next Sunday. That's not our heart. Our heart literally is just to be a given church and to say this is who God is. And God just sent us here today just to bless you. It's crazy. I've seen, you know, people behind the cash register just weep and say, you people, really? Yeah. And then it says day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God for all the favor, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number. Of course he did, day by day. Why? Because who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? Who, who in the world wouldn't want to want to say, I'm in? I'm in. I want to, I want to, I don't know a whole lot, but I tell you what I do know. I know that what that is, that's real. And I I want that. For my own life. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be on the giving end for a change. And it may be that while you cannot do a whole lot on your own, get us together as a family and let us come together as a family and we can do things that you never dreamed that you could do. So when you see the church in the book of Acts, it's intensely relational. That's what got me. The miracle stuff is, is phenomenal, and I've, I've experienced miracles. I, I really have. I've, ex- I've been healed. And physical stuff, I, that's another sermon for another day. And God has done some incredible things. I mean, I got on my knees sick, and I w- got up healed. I mean, I've experienced the miracles of God. But let me tell you something. The sweetest thing I've ever experienced in my life is doing life with other people. And I've had the good pleasure of doing that. There are people that are here this morning that we've been through some junk together. But until you go through the junk together, then you don't know what real love is. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You know, if you're here and you're brand new to the whole Jesus thing, you're just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, I get it, man. We, we love it. We're glad you're here. But I hope that you catch more than just a, a show on a Sunday morning and what you hear is music and a message. I hope it goes beyond that. I hope that when you pull onto these grounds that you feel that we're glad that you're here, that you matter, that you're important. Christianity is, is, is not, it's not just salvation that you do on your own and then you wander around in, at your own discretion. When you come to salvation in Jesus, you're embedded into a union of common life with with other people. I had the opportunity this week to sit down with uh, with Alex Reese, and uh, Alex is he's a young fellow, young buck. I got shoes older than Alex, and uh, we we had an opportunity to sit out, and I just I just loved hearing his story, and and I just asked him questions, you know, and we, he began to share with me and. And he said, you know, we've been coming to Springwell, my girlfriend and I, for about two years. And, and so we walked in, and I would walk in, I would keep my head down, and I just, I just looked at the squares. That's why I knew. He knew the squares. He knew the carpet. We had squares. And I would just look at the squares, and I would come in, and I would take a seat. And for two years, he did that. And then we, we posted, uh, sometime before the summer, uh, we posted that we needed some uh, part-time help. I don't know what all he did. But anyway, we needed some help, and we got really smart smart people that knew we needed help and so they they posted for this part-time position and he he took the position long story short and he became he became a a part-time staff person here and here's what he told me this week he said man that changed my life I went from I went from being a person on the outside just walking in listening to the music and listening to the message to I'm connected and when you see him now I mean he lights up he doesn't look down he looks up and he's got this smile on his face And, and those of us that are staff I mean we just love him you know and and so now he's a part of a family. Are you with me? That's our hope. That's our ideal. We believe that people long for community. We believe that people actually long for community. The Bible says that you were made to connect. In fact, God created Adam. And he put him in the Garden of Eden. He was all by himself, and here's what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he looked at Adam, and he said, Adam, I created you for more 
than just my pleasure, more than just my pleasure. And you and I, we have this great relationship, but I created you for more than that. And so he reached inside of Adam and he took a rib and he made Eve and he said, I want you to have community. If you and I have community, I want you to have community and do life, a long life, deeply with someone else. I had a guy, I've told this story a lot, I guess, over the years. Um, his name is Dale Smith. Dale and I grew up together, and, and, and we were uh, uh, got in a lot of trouble together. And at one point, I went one way and he went another, but Dale always kept in touch with me. He was a much better friend to me than I ever was to him. And so I finally, you know, in the ministry, which he thought was a hoot, we had discussions about that. And, uh, and so I, then I moved off, went to seminary, I came back home, and and I was at a church, and, and then I, I told him eventually, I said, I think God's called me to plant this church. And he said, really? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to, why do you want to plant a church? And so I told him, I, this is what I'm telling you. I'm just dreaming out of this Acts thing, you know, of what God was doing and, and this kind of fellowship that was created and, and the beauty of this community. And I said, man, I want to be a part of something like that. And I want to reach people that other people just aren't, aren't they don't want to reach. That's my heart and that's my dream. And so we were talking one day, and he, I told him, I said, for some reason I think that, I, that we should be up on Highway 29. He said, really? I said, yeah. And he kind of made fun of me. And I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. But he, it, and anyway, so then, so then if, it, one day he called me. And he, he called and he was laughing. You have to know his laugh. He had this high-pitched, really irritating laugh. And so he, he said, hey, man, I found you some land. I said, really? He said, yeah. It's the old tropical island. Then he told me how much it was. And I said, you're crazy. And then he right back at me, well, where's your faith at now, preacher? And I used some language, and it wasn't Sunday school language, let me tell you. And I said, all right, big boy, let's put God to the test. And here we are. Here's the thing. Uh, Dale got in some, got in some trouble. Um, he got into a lot of trouble, and he was looking at 25 years to life. I remember in the in-between time, he finally, I don't know how he got out of jail, to be quite honest with you. That was a miracle that they even let him out. So they let him out, and he was out on bond, and he was on house arrest, and so he had his little bracelet. But they would let him come to church, and so he would come to church, and, and he had to stay right, right by me. I mean, I, you know, I don't know who was looking out after who, who, if I was looking out after Dale or Dale was looking out after me. But let me just say, if he had been my bodyguard, you didn't want to mess with me. <laughs> I could say, Dale, and he'd take you out and would enjoy doing it. I'll never forget, Dale started, he would notice that there were some of our chairs that were, that were broke, and he'd take those chairs home. He didn't have anything to do during the week, and he would just start to do repairs. And I'll never forget one day, he and I, after the service was over, we were standing right down here. Actually, that day he brought me a pizza. He's my friend. And uh, I was like on the stage, and we're just eating, and he looked back, and he said, wow. He said, so this is what it's like to be a part of the church. I said, yeah, man, I've been telling you for years. He said, wow, if I had known this, I'd been doing this a long time ago. Uh, I wish I could tell you that it ended great for Dale it, it didn't and uh, he ended up um, and he committed suicide mm. boy probably should have left that story out huh I'm just saying that, that deep down inside of all of us whether you think it or not there's this desire there's this longing to connect and so the thing of it is, is that when I look at Scripture, when I look at the book of Acts, when I look at chapter 2, I think, wow, that's possible. Some of you are probably thinking, ah, you can't experience community in a big church. Really? Did you miss the first part of the message? Over 3,000, this is a church, over 3,000 people. And they were meeting from house to house. Are you with me? They experienced it. If they can experience it, we can experience it. So what is the barrier? 
What keeps us from experiencing community at this level? I'll tell you. There's about three things. The first one is busyness. Busyness will destroy any and all relationships. It'll destroy your marriage. There's some of you that need to hear me say this morning, stop the insanity of only focusing on your children. And your whole life revolves around going from one practice, one rehearsal, one thing to another. And I'm so glad that your kids are involved, but when they're so involved that when you look at each other, you just refer to each other as mom and dad, and you don't know what it means to be intimate with a, with a spouse, you've missed it. You miss teaching your kids what, what a marriage is supposed to be. Karen and I always had the goal, you know, we have a great marriage. I mean, I'm crazy about that woman. I'm just saying. She's been in Hawaii for a week, suffering for Jesus. Every day, every day she'll call. Every day she'd call. And every day, you know what? We had the very same thing. So tell me, what'd you do today? And then she'd tell me. Send pictures. Wish you were here. <laughs> it was awesome. Our goal, our whole married life, was to be able to look at our girls and to say, this is a picture of a husband and a wife that are still head over heels in love with each other. This is how you do it. And we work hard at it. We communicate. And we've taken crazy vacations. And we did not take our kids. There are places in this, in this world that our children don't believe that children are allowed. We told them, you can't go to, we take you to Hawaii. They don't allow kids. It's, it's the weirdest thing. They won't even let you off the plane. We work hard. To make it great. And it's great. We want you to get connected and experience real, authentic, genuine community. The kind of community that these guys in Acts chapter 2 are having. But you have to work at it. And we make it as simple for you as we can. There's only two ways you can get connected at Springwell. There's just two ways. We used to have about 100. And it liked to kill us. Liked to kill the staff. Liked to kill y'all. We had every ministry you could think of. Underwater basket weaving. I mean, if there was a ministry, we opened it up and we did it. And then you were, expected, you were expected to come to all hundred of them, you know. It was crazy. So we dumbed it down to two things. There's only two ways you can get connected at Springwell. And the first one is serving. It's just serving. And we, there's tons of things that you can do on a Sunday morning to, from the parking lot to, to, you know, to inside the building, to being greeters, to, to running tech, to putting stuff up on the screen, to running cameras. And if you don't like adults, we'll put you next door with kids. And you can do the same thing over there with children that you would do over here with the adults. And then if Sunday morning you think, woo, children, give me that. You don't even have to like children to work with children. Is that cool or what? I mean, if you can, if you can run the sound. You don't have to like kids, just run the sound. But if you don't like any of that, come back on Sunday night. And you can do it with our youth. And if that doesn't grab you, then there's tons of serving opportunities that we have through mission projects that we do. And that could be serve well Saturday. And you've heard me talk about that. And we just we meet, and for some of us, we'll just make a take a loaf of bread, make a loaf of sandwiches, and we just go and we just feed hungry people. Could be game. Greenville Area Interfaith Hospitality Network, and they changed the name, but that's I've just finally got that one down, and so that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> And so we house homeless people, physically house homeless people. Spent over $15,000 next door just so we could have showers and a kitchen. And then we put it up and make it as homely as we possibly can. And for four weeks a year, we bring homeless people into this church, and we love them. And we don't just feed them. We don't just show up and just give them a meal. But we, I said, look, man, sit down. Get to know these people. Play with their kids. Engage in conversation. I mean, we backpacks for two schools that we've adopted. You know, Candy Dash. What are we doing with Candy Dash right now? We're doing Candy Dash. You know what? Because we want to blow a community away with the, with the heart of giving, not taking. Man, you know what? We do it all that we can do here, and then we go to Guatemala twice a year. It's a third world country. And I used to think that we went there to do something for them, but really we go there for them to do something for us. And just so you know, as much as we need volunteers, my greatest hope is that you'll connect with the people 
that you serve with every week. I'm, I got a plan. We got crazy people here, the best people in the world. And I just believe that if I can get you hanging out with them long enough, that they'll rub off on you. That the Jesus thing will, because they're so cool. And so Jesus will just like spill out of them and on to you. And then, and then you'll say, so this is, what, this is what church looks like? Yes. This is what the church is supposed to be given. This is us. Second way, connect at Springwell's growth groups. It's real easy. It's real simple. They're just small groups that meet in homes. We don't meet here at the church. You know where we got that idea? The book of Acts. It was before the cool kids came out and talked about cell groups and all that other stuff. We just read the book of Acts. So well, that's what they did. Why don't we just try it to do it like they did it? So growth groups, they meet and they meet in homes because we don't want you in a stale church environment. We want you to be in a home. Groups all the time, almost every semester. Could we just meet at the church? It would be more convenient and you've got a playground and there would be something for child care. I say the same thing every time. No. I try to do it in love. Sometimes I just love to say no, but, but are you with me? And the reason is I want you in a house. I want you in a home. It's about being devoted to sound teaching. There's a Bible study, meeting from house to house and serving one another and serving our community. That's what we're committed to. That's who we are. Don't let busyness rob you of experiencing genuine, authentic community. Second thing that will keep you as a barrier from experiencing community is pain. Uh, it's pain. Um, I, like many of you, have experienced some of my deepest, darkest, nastiest pain in church. But there's a difference. Just so you know, you're going to fuss and fight with your family. If you, if you say, well, I, I've never fought with my wife, you are a liar, sir. Right? We all had disagreements. So here's the beautiful thing about doing this together in the context of church is that we have, a, we have this thing called the Bible that teaches us how to navigate conflict and do it right. And then the last thing is, it's just laziness. I tried to fancy that up as the best I come up with. Some of us are just too lazy to make the effort. And if you're too lazy to make the effort, and it is effort, it is. I talked to a lady after the first service. She says, how do we do it? There's so many things. I said, you can't do 50 things. You can't do, you can't do 10 things. You can't do five things. You've got to narrow that down. You've got to prioritize. God's your number one priority. Your family is number two. The church comes after your family. You shocked to hear me say that? It's the truth. And then serve this community. So let me ask you, as a follower of Jesus, would you say that you are strongly committed to, strongly devoted to, like these people in Acts? Come on. Are you? Can you say, yes, sir, absolutely. No doubt about it, man. I'm in. I'm all in. I, I volunteer. I love volunteering. I love it when people walk up to me and they say, I'm so excited. I love to volunteer. And people that are in growth groups that are doing life, you know what we've experienced the last few days for some people in this church have been very, very tough. Death. Oh, my gosh. Terrible death of a parent losing a child. The beauty of that is those groups of people that rally around each other in their in their worst moment, to say you're not alone. That's church. That's church. Are you all in? If not, what are you waiting on? Is it hard? Yep. Is it risky? It is. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Can we experience today what they experienced in Acts? Yes. I've already told you. Hebrews said it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We're just waiting on you. Maybe here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe, you know, because God just shows up in the most amazing ways. And maybe what you've heard this morning, I hope you've heard, is that He's crazy about you. 
the thing that drew these people together was a story about a man named Jesus who was the very son of God who came to this earth and went to the cross and on the cross he died to pay the penalty for our sin because our sin stood in the way of our relationship with God God is a relational God and he said I love you so much that I'll pay the price for your sin you can't be good enough you can't pay for it on your own so let me take care of that for you and he did and on the third day he was raised from the dead that was, that was the message of that early church he's alive they thought they killed him but he's alive and this morning if you're not a follower of Jesus but would like to be it's simple belief and simple trust and a willingness on your part to just surrender your life to him are you ready? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, maybe you'd pray a prayer quietly right there in your seat. Maybe you'd say something like this. Heavenly Father, wow. I would, I would love to have a relationship with a God like you. God that desires to have a relationship with somebody like me. So I confess my sin and I ask you for forgiveness. And I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I know you're alive. I can feel your presence right now, right here. So I just gladly surrender my life to you. Thank you for your love. Lord, uh, Lord, I've been doing this a long time. God, I can say that I've been through some dark valleys. Uh, Lord, been, been discouraged on more than one occasion. But Lord, every single time I go back to the book of Acts, Lord, I know why I do what I do to look at the beauty and the power of community. God, even this morning for me to stand up here and to look out over this congregation of people and to see people that, Lord, I've been doing life with for a long time. Lord, people that I love deeply. Lord, that we've experienced the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, but we've done it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift and the beauty of not just you, how you overflow in us that we spill out onto each other and experience this incredible gift called community. Lord, help us to get it right. We're fallible humans, Lord. Help us to get it right. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.